Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Nick Loper with me. Nick is the man behind Side Hustle Nation. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, Nick. On your About page on SideHustleNation.com, you start by saying, every day I'm hustling. And I really like that. And I actually made a note of that. And <laughs> I just want to, I want to hear what that means to you. This is like you're trying to make, trying to make some progress every day. And I just had these guys um, on, uh, on my podcast the other day, and they talked about this like 1% infinity mentality, where it was like trying to make that incremental 1% improvement every day, which I thought was a perfect way to explain the, the every day I'm hustling mentality. It's like trying to get a little bit better, a little bit closer to, uh, to whatever your goal is each day. Okay. That makes sense. Have you always been like that, or or is this something that's uh, that's fairly new with Side Hustle Nation? Or <laughs> I've, I've, I've always had a hard time. That? I've always had a hard time being idle. Like I always want to be working towards something. You feel you know every now and again it's good to recharge and it takes some time, but it's still tough to um, you to to sit on the couch and, and do nothing. Like that's that's sometimes tough for me. Yeah. I really like those small incremental improvements. I think a lot of people fail because you know they try to do too much too fast. But one uh, percent is very doable. <laughs> exactly. So you set out the goal, and I did this uh, you know a year or two ago. It was like I'm going to do this uh, this push up challenge. Like I'm going to do as many push ups as I can on day one, and then each day I'm going to try and beat that. And so I started off, and I'm pretty weak. So I started off, I did like 27 or something. And then at the end of the month, I was up to like 70 something. It was like, had I started out at the beginning of the month trying to do 70 push-ups, there'd be no way. But it's like, all I got to do today is 28. Okay, now I'm going to try and beat 28. And it was just, it became a, a little bit of a game and trying to make those, uh, those incremental improvements and added up to some big, big gains over the course of the month. 70 is pretty impressive. I don't think I could do 70 now. I stopped. I don't think I could do it again either. <laughs> now, tell me how and why you started Side Hustle Nation and what were you doing prior to it? So my background has been in, um, in part-time entrepreneurship. So I started um, an affiliate marketing site in, um, in 2005, 2006. And it kind of it took three years of like nights and weekends apart from my day job to build that to a point where I felt comfortable to quit. And so Side Hustle Nation is kind of the, you know, my my turn to to turn around and kind of spread the gospel of this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship. This is not the, you know, go out and raise venture capital. This is not like your high flying, um, you know, SE or, um, you know, IPOs and stuff you're going to read on TechCrunch and stuff. But it's uh, you know a lower risk brand for people to get started and, and start earning some money aside from their day job. So how did you not quit in those three years? Because uh, three years is a long time. I mean, people get college degrees in three years, <laughs> you know, and and a lot of people give up after you know a month or a few weeks or maybe even one or two years. So what what kept you going? Well, for me, it was the a combination of things. You know, one, I was probably more conservative than I needed to be, but I'm a little bit risk averse, so that that definitely played a role. Um, the second thing is, I just never pictured myself like climbing the corporate ladder, so it was never, you know, I kind of, I guess, had in my mind that I definitely wanted to to do my own thing and and build that up, but it was just a matter of you know timing and and you know, like Tim Ferriss says, the timing is never going to be perfect. But it ended up being a good a time as any to finally to finally pull the trigger on it. 
So what were some of the promising signs uh, while you were doing this on the side for, for three years? I mean, what, what told you that, you know, yeah, I'm on the right track or I need to adjust? Uh, what mattered to you back then? So there was, you know, there was steady growth in, in the side business. And what, what I was looking for and, and what I recommend is kind of setting a number. And for me, I think it was I want to replace my day job salary for a period of six months or for a period of 12 months or something like at that point, then I'll feel comfortable, you know, giving my notice. And so I, I mean, I'll talk to people who'd be like, you know, on month one, the first month where I replace my, you know, day job salary is like, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm giving my notice. I'm out of here. It's like, oh, man, I, I felt a little bit scared uh, to do that. So, um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I think. What do you think should be like a big first win for somebody that does something what you did, you know, build a business on the side? What, what do you think would be like the first thing that they need to look for that are on the right track? The, you know, the most rewarding thing is earning, earning your first dollar outside of a paycheck, you know, getting somebody to, to pay you for, you know, your skills, something you built, some service you offer. That's really a light bulb moment. And somebody, actually, somebody said it's client, not client number one, but client number three, client, client number one is probably your friend. Client number two could be a fluke. But by the third client, you know, then, then, you know, maybe you're on to something. And. Did you experience any kind of ups and downs or did you ever did it ever feel like a roller coaster ride? How do you, how do you deal with that? It's been a complete roller coaster. Let me tell you this story. So I gave my I gave my notice. I quit my job in 2008. The economy, as you know, is in the toilet. It was a really scary time. Um, and on day one of retirement, I'm, you know, getting set up in my home office and looking forward to the day, like my first day of like self-employment, right? And then that day, the server crashes and the site goes completely down. I'm like, well, that's not really how I imagined what would happen. So I went out and took the dog on a walk or something. And I come back and find out that of all the days, this is the day that Google advertising has taken, um, taken the chance to, to crawl my site, like review my account for some reason. And they say, hey, this this is terrible. Like this site doesn't even load. This is garbage. You know, we're, we're basically shutting you down. And even after the server came back up because it had raised their red flag, they're like, Hey, this is a crappy affiliate site. You're not bringing any value to the table. And I was like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? What about the last three years of happy customers? You know, the thousands of people that like this site, um, and on and on and on. You never had an issue with it before then. What is going on? So it actually took three months and, and I might have still had hair at this point. You know, that was a crazy, stressful summer. Like, what did I just do? I turned in the keys to my company car. What did I give up? Um, it was really, really scary to get back in their good graces and, and be able to continue the business. Okay. Um, you know, when you look at other businesses, uh, what do you think is, is one of the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs? The biggest time waster? That's a good question. Um, you go, I think it goes back to the, you know, the 80-20 rule of like what's, what's actually driving the most results for you. For example, like I'll probably, you know, spend more time than I should on Twitter or on Facebook. It's like what is this really doing for me at the end of the day? Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's entertainment and I get some enjoyment or some value out of that. But like is that really helping the bottom line? I don't know. Okay. Um. If somebody came to you, let's say a friend or a family member, and they had a job, and they say, you know what, I, I see your success, I, I want to be an entrepreneur, what would be the first thing that you teach them? So I like to think of it as, 
you know, a couple of ways to get started. Um, before specifically for building a business, try and think of it as like the intersection of these three different circles. And so, you know, circle number one is your is your background, your skills. Like, what? Um, and somebody else has framed it this way: like, if you've had any job ever, like by definition, you have a, a skill that's worth paying for, right? Some employer was paying you to do some task or some role. And so I would, you know, start by writing down like every job you have, like just go through your resume, like what skills do you have, right? And then I would kind of bullet point out which ones did you enjoy, which ones were you really good at, which ones were terrible, um, and make that kind of circle number one. Circle number two would be what gets you excited outside of work. Like what do you, what do you enjoy doing? What are your hobbies and stuff like that? What do you, what do your friends ask you for help with? For example, people would ask me about, you know, building websites or side hustling now or, you know, working with virtual staff, you know, kind of whatever random things that people ask you for. My friends are super like handymen people and, and that doesn't that doesn't work for me at all. But like, for example, they could start something around being a handyman. I don't know. And then circle number three is like what kind of problems or issues have you dealt with and had to overcome in your life? Because if you had to deal with those problems or issues, you know, odds are somebody else has too. Okay, that's good. Uh, you know, on your website, I saw you, you managed to get on some, some alias publications from the New York Times, NBC, NPR, and so on. What advice do you have for other entrepreneurs to get this type of publicity? So a couple of things. So a lot of that publicity had to do with uh, the affiliate nexus tax. That was kind of a battle going on in California saying, hey, the you know Amazon especially should be collecting tax because they have affiliates in this state. And they said, you don't understand an affiliate is not really an employee or a sales agent of ours. It's just some good dude with a website. And so it kind of went back and forth. And so a lot of and because a lot of affiliates are kind of like really closely guarded with their with their websites and with their niches, um, it, it was tough. It was a tough battle to fight because we went up to Sacramento. We had to go, you know, meet with the legislator legislatures and stuff. And so that got a, a lot of exposure because I was one of the few people willing to speak out and say, this is my business. I've dumped a ton of development money into it. If somebody wants to rip me off and copy it, fine, be my guest, whatever. You know, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, so that's where uh, some of that exposure came from. The, the second resource that I've used a lot is called helpareporter.com, where it's like you'll get three emails a day um, you know, from, from reporters looking for sources. So if you can help them out with their uh, you know, with their story, because they're on deadline, they're looking for interesting angles to write about. It's become a little bit of a, of a crapshoot trying to get, um, uh, you know, trying to get their attention, trying to get exposure because that list is so big now. Um, but that's still a good, a good route to go. There's a couple smaller ones. One is called sourcebottle.com and the other one is called muckrack, I think, muckrack.com. Uh, you know, muckrack. Where, where uh, where reporters are looking for for knowledgeable sources and experts so they can cite in their in their story. So cool way to get press, cool way to get exposure there. Okay, uh, you know there's a really interesting post in your blog about getting uh, iTunes podcasts to the top uh, in eight weeks, uh, and and to do that without celebrity guests. What is the secret? Can you tell us a couple of a uh, couple of suggestions? Sure, sure, sure. So the the smaller your audience is to start with, and I launched with a with a mailing list of eleven, so I didn't have a huge audience to uh, to begin with. And I'm really high on podcasting as a way to build your audience because the 
you know, uh, iTunes really goes out of their way to promote these new shows. And, and that's probably the best opportunity for, you know, new content discovery and all that jazz. Um, so how do you, how did you get started? So if you have a new show with, with a limited audience, I would hold back on releasing those episodes or like, you know, making them public until you have a handful, uh, until you have a handful released. And the reason for that is I think their algorithm is based on the raw number of downloads. So if you have 10 episodes and you have 10 friends who are going to go subscribe and download those 10 episodes, you have a potential to get 100 downloads right out of the gate. Whether, you know, whereas if you launch with one or two, like you have a max of like 20 downloads. So it's kind of this exponential growth factor if you can you know, hold back and launch with more episodes. What I would do if I was starting over is I sent out what I did. I actually went through my whole like Gmail address book, like letter by letter, you know, on the little like address suggestion bar, like A, you know, AA, AB. AC, like, who do I know? And like, ask you, hey, I just launched this show. You don't even have to listen to it, but every download helps. And so, you know, I got some downloads that way. And what I should have done was ask people to subscribe rather than just going in and downloading a couple episodes, one or two. You know, had, had they hit the subscribe button, they, you know, would automatically download to their phone or to their computer or whatever, you know, whenever a new release came out. So I think that would have helped bump up the, the rankings even more. Um, so subscribes help, not not just reviews. So you don't just want to ask for reviews. If somebody subscribes, that's very helpful as well. Yeah, I think the because the subscriptions will drive kind of the ongoing downloads because it's going to be kind of an automated process behind the scenes. Like it's going to automatically update on their phone or whatever device they subscribe from. But the reviews, but the reviews are important too. Um, what I found was kind of like the review velocity. Like it's hard to describe. But, you know, rather than having the reviews trickle in, in I don't know, there's probably a fine line because if they see you dump like 100 reviews into your uh, into your show, like all at once, that might raise a red flag, too. But it seemed like, you know, when with three or four came in in a really short period of time, that seemed to spike it up a little bit. OK. OK. So get people to subscribe and then try to get uh, reviews. Uh, that's that's good. I mean, you know, you started with just 11 on your list, and uh, you know, where are you now? Can you give us an idea to and and how long, how much time passed since you you went online with it? So I'm almost a year into it, and uh, five or six hundred on the list now. Oh wow, that's very good. That's very good. So it sounds very doable for somebody just uh, you know without celebrity guests or or a big email list. Yeah, so you talk with, so so you, everybody's familiar with uh, with John Dumas's story, and so he had a couple of factors working working in his favor. One was the Daily Show, um, you know, by pumping out content every day, you naturally have a bigger opportunity to, you know, the more episodes you have, the more downloads you can get. Especially if somebody does hit that subscribe button, and you've got you know sixty episodes in the queue already, you know, that's a massive number of raw downloads that that iTunes is tracking. The second thing is, you know, he was leveraging some pretty big name guests and leveraging their audience. And so he's talked about this in the form of, hey, you know, if you can, you know, just share this with your with your Facebook fans, your, you know, your Twitter followers and all this stuff. And so he was able to kind of uh, build up really quickly um, doing that. So that's one way to go, too. So sounds good. Uh, give us I mean, it sounds like that things have been, you know, really, really great in your business, but. Can you bring up like a big mistake that you made maybe that uh, that was a really good learning experience for you that we can learn from? 
Okay, I've made, <laughs> I've made, I've made tons of them. Uh, I had a post over at billionsuccess.com uh, with Herbie over there talking about my top three mistakes. And, and the biggest one or the most expensive one was hiring, uh, hiring a crappy web developer. And so I was due for a redesign of, of my site and was kind of pissed off at the current development team. And so I, you know, I've lightning, lightning struck once. I could do this again, right? So I put this out for bid on Elance, and these guys came back, uh, you know, from the from the U.S. from Minnesota, and so I was really excited because their you know bid was not too much more than some of the teams in India and overseas. So I was like, this is going to be great. No communication barrier, no nothing. Like I was really, um, I was really sold on this guy. You know, we talked on the phone. Like he seemed like he knew what he was doing, but he turned out to be a total flake. Like he just did not deliver. I don't know if he didn't understand the full scope of the project or what, but it, it was a nightmare almost from the get-go, missing deadlines and all this stuff. So in the bigger mistake out of all of this was, you know, aside from probably not writing as detailed a project spec as I could have, the bigger mistake was letting him convince me to do business with him outside of the Elance platform. So how it went was I, you know, put the job up for bid on Elance, you know, we talked on Skype, you know, we set up the whole deal. And he's like, oh, by the way, I can save you, uh, you know, maybe a thousand bucks or something if we go off of Elance. I was like, all right, you know, I'm bootstrapping. So that sounds, that sounds reasonable. I, I trust you. You seem like a nice guy. And then when he flaked, I had zero recourse, like no, you know, no, no feedback mechanism. I couldn't like, you know, flame his profile on Elance because we weren't, we weren't even, you know, contracted on the platform, you know, no seller protection, no escrow, no nothing. It was, Mm -hmm. It was so dumb of me. So that's something <laughs> I recommend, you know, just pay, pay them their margin. It's worth it. I think they only take 10% or something. So it's like, you know, let's just pay them <laughs> to don't, don't use, use the platform and sleep easy in case something goes south. So how do you, how do you get through that? Because I think everybody's confidence, you know, takes a, takes a beating, you know, with things like this, but you know, have you have you improved that at all as as you know as you've been in business longer and longer but you know do you have any kind of uh, advice on that you know because i mean when something like this happens you kind of get shy about uh, doing things or maybe even just redesigning your site just put it on the back burner for a year because you know you got burned what what is your advice on on getting over these types of uh, issues to to minimize your risk on a project like that, so there's a couple of things I would do. First would be to write, you know, as detailed a project spec as you could. And as an example, like for a recent, just like some minor WordPress tweaks, like I ended up with like a five page document with like you know my Photoshop um, circles and arrows. Like I want this to be over here. You know, I imagine this looking like this in the in the final version. And you know, probably took. Uh, a full day or half a day to to come through with this stuff for what ended up being like a hundred dollar job. It was so it was so small, but that detailed spec allowed the the contractors to create an accurate bid. Like they knew a hundred percent what they were getting into, and so that would be uh, number one. Number two would be you know breaking it up into smaller pieces. Like so, instead of a of a ten thousand dollar development project, I might say, okay, you're going to be in charge of the design and we're going to do that for two weeks. And then if that goes well, maybe we're going to contract out the database work and that's going to be another two weeks rather than, you know, relying on one team. It might be more expensive to piece it together this way, but you're kind of reducing your risk in each, in each step of the process. Okay. 
where do you where do you see your business uh, in the future? What is your what is your ultimate goal with your business? And and if you if you could like draw the perfect business for you, what would it be? Man, that's a really good question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that. <laughs> um, huh. I would love to to take the side hustle brand and be you know be um, you know be the side hustle guy. Like help help people um, you know build their businesses in their in their part time. Find that freedom and financial security uh, in their lives, whether or not they want to quit their job. Like I'm really, uh, you know, it took some soul searching in the early part of last year and last spring to figure out like, what am I really excited about? And so my other businesses around shoes and footwear, it's like, I don't really, in fact, I believe, you know, the more time you can spend barefoot, probably the happier you're going to be. But you really, um, you, that's all searching around like what, what gets me excited what lights me up and it's helping helping other people like you know find their you find their project or find their way to to start their business and and build some of some freedom into their life I'm, I'm excited about that so that's kind of where I, I hope to go with with the side hustle nation and the side hustle brand yeah I like the whole concept of uh, side hustle because you know somebody might never want to really go full time with their business, but what if they can make an extra ten twenty whatever fifty thousand dollars a year uh, but but they still want the comfort or the safety of of a job that would be outstanding my My friend Julian from uh, from sidehustler dot com says hey you know in this generation our our employers are only our biggest client. You can't look at it as a uh, as a monogamous relationship. Yeah. Give me give me one or two apps that are absolutely essential for your business. Oh, apps. You know, I'm not huge into the apps. Um or 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 anything like websites that you use on a daily basis, maybe two websites that are really important for your business. So biggest one uh, for me lately has been Schedule Once, which is a calendar app. It taps into your, your Google Calendar and you just send people a link who want to meet up with you. Great for, like, I think we used it to set up this podcast call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really love using that. And the one I've been really excited about lately is uh, this text expander plugin for Chrome. So I find myself writing uh, so a lot of kind of like template-driven emails. This is a massive time saver. It takes a little bit of time to set it up, but it's like something that's already paid off, you know, many, many times over. So what it is, it like plugs into your Chrome browser, and then you set up these keyword shortcuts. For example, um, you know, one of the ones that's built in is like H H B D or something, and then it like types out like Happy Birthday or something, you know, so cheesy oh, wow. stuff. But it's like if you could save a couple seconds or, or even a couple minutes, because you can put in like long form emails with with links and everything. It's like really really cool. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, give me one book that you that you that you've thought was really beneficial for you as a business person. So one. Oh man, I'm I'm kind of a reader, so I'm like into a okay, lot of these. You can give me uh, two or three, you know. <laughs> give me the best three. The best three. The, okay, the first one, like the very first business book I read, my roommate recommended this to me in college. Was was uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that's very, you know, formative in the mindset. Say what you will about Robert Kiyosaki and his, you know, whether or not he even had a rich dad or a poor dad, um, but but kind of this this mindset of building and buying assets. Was you know uh, investing for cash flow like really really cool stuff and that was that was pretty eye opening to me. It, around a couple years ago, and this is probably my all time favorite business book, is uh, The Go Giver by Bob Berg. Um, really really powerful. Just kind of st- told in a in a parable type style about 
how money follows value and and what can you what can you give in the world and it doesn't have to be like it's not a charity for example like i um apple gave gave people a thousand songs in their pocket and and charged people plenty of money for the ipod right when it came out um so it's not necessarily uh you know being totally altruistic but like you know delivering some some value to other people and then most recently, the one I read was called um, The Millionaire Fast Lane. Have you, have you read that one? I heard of it. I haven't read it. So this guy, it's like MJ DeMarco. And he comes, you have to get over, he, he talks a lot about, uh, you know, his obsession with Lamborghinis and stuff. It's like, you know, I'm not so much into the cars and, and that lifestyle and showing off wealth. And, and like, I don't, I don't know if that really hits home with, with even like our generation. But he actually the book like has some really, really good content. Like if you want to and similar to the to the go giver, it's like, look, if you want to uh, make a million dollars, you're going to have to help a ton of people because like, you know, like you said, the business or the dollars only follow the value. So it's like if you can help a ton of people, that's going to that's how you're going to make a ton of money. Okay. do you have any last words of wisdom to share uh, either? If somebody already has a business but they want to take it to the next level or somebody just wants to uh, take the plunge and start something? Well, you know, it's it's cliche. Like my dad – so here's here's the here's the advice. Isn't it? It's like perfection is the enemy of good enough. And so I'm – you kind of grew up a, a perfectionist, very type A, you know, had to get all A's in school. And you, you look back and you're like, why? What difference does it make? You know, the difference between A and A minus, A and a B, like it doesn't make any difference. And I'll spend hours. I'm still guilty of this. I'll spend hours like tweaking some stupid button on a website. It's like, what? I don't know. So trying to get over that and just putting your ideas out into the world it doesn't have to be perfect, but you can get started and you know read read the the lean startup guide now I'm on another four books <laughs> but yeah that's a great book too uh, yeah. but just the idea of, of putting something out there getting some feedback and say hey look this is my first effort i'm i'm in beta right like you know gmail's in beta for for 4 years or something before it was official you know it's like you could put it out there to the world and just you know be on it say i'm this is in development what do you guys think sounds good well nick how can people connect with you uh, number one way is at SideHustleNation.com. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, your insight is greatly appreciated. Uh, we learned a lot, so I appreciate you coming on. And be sure to check Nick out at SideHustleNation.com. Thanks, George. Thank you.